Hi, and welcome back to Artificial Intelligence, Episode 3 for October 2017. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for this podcast is Voice XP, blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for some of the best brands in the world. With Voice XP, all you have to do is say it to revolutionize your marketing strategy. I encourage you to go and check them out at www.voicexp.com. We are very thrilled to have Dr. Peter Cahill with us today from Voices. Peter, say hello. Hi, Grazi. How are you? I'm doing fine, Peter. So I got your name right, I, I, I assume. Yes, perfect. Excellent, excellent. It wouldn't be the first thing that I have messed up, uh, but thank you uh, very, very much for joining us today and sharing some of your insight and experience and expertise with us. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Sure. So let's start with, you've got a rich background in, in language, in voice, in speech. Share with me and the audience about your background and your uh, educational background and your, your uh, professional background and how you, what led you up to starting Voices? I started working in, well, more so studying uh, voice technology back in 2002, so about 15 years ago. I think at the time, so I was studying computer science, just finishing up my undergraduate degree. And I think at the time that what attracted me to it was that it's, it's a hard problem in comparison to a lot of the typical software engineering challenges that you'd encounter while in university. So if you were, say, if you had to use a database for something or build a website, there's very little technology risk there. The engineering challenges with it are very much more about architecture and you know, building out something, but at the end of the day, you'd always know that it was possible to do so. Whereas in the case of voice technologies, you knew that you could build a, a very robotic sounding voice or you could build a relatively inaccurate uh, speech recognition system. Um, but at that time, nobody had built highly accurate systems, um, not large teams and not small teams. I think, I think that's what attracted me to it most. And so after I finished my undergraduate degree, I ended up going down the academic route and completing a PhD in the topic. Um, and from that then, after a fairly short postdoc, um, I became faculty in the university in Ireland. Um, and while, while I was faculty, I and six others, uh, six other academics here in Ireland, um, attracted a fairly significant funding grant, uh, which was about 17 million euros at the time. And that helped me broaden my experience in voice and language technologies considerably, um, because up until that point, I'd mostly worked on text-to-speech. Whereas once that happened, in that project, we worked on speech recognition. We still did text-to-speech. There was... There was a very large team working on machine translation. Um, there was teams working on many, many other topics and subtopics of uh, language technologies. Um, and after working on that for some years, um, within academic circles, I, elect, I got elected to chair an academic group called SYNSIG, which is the global speech synthesis academic group that anyone who works in academia in speech synthesis or in industry would all be members of that group and that group organizes the annual conferences and so on. Around that time, this would have been the maybe 2010, 2011, we started to see deep learning in products. So deep learning was pretty popular in research labs at the time. And some people had prototypes of deep learning based voice recognition systems. And so we could see from that, that it was quite clear that it was going to be very transformative for the industry in general. Um, and I think at that time, then we also saw 
the likes of Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, um, all of them went on acquisition sprees and they acquired pretty much any of the companies that existed out there in this space, which had you know a, a solid team behind them. And pretty much all of them got acquired around that time frame. At that time, I was looking at the landscape saying that there was no smaller companies to challenge these bigger guys anymore. And at the same time, it was quite clear from my uh, connections in all these companies that it was quite clear that they were working on making their own platforms better. While all these, while there was this kind of consolidation, nobody was really coming to market making voice technologies available. So, you know, a good example is even with, even with Amazon Alexa, where there are skills available today, um, and you can add your own skills very easily, but you're still kind of limited in terms of what a skill can actually do. And so that motivated me to set up voices as an, as an independent uh, complete voice AI platform, which would, you know, could not just make the technologies available for everyone else, um, but also make it easy for people to actually use in their products. Interesting. Yeah. So thank you for all of that insight. Uh, obviously, this sector and this nexus of voice technology and artificial intelligence is, is deep in your blood. Give me the 30 to 60 second elevator pitch. And you were starting to get into it just there at the end of yeah. that. Give me the 30 to 60 second elevator pitch of I uh, am with company X. Let's say I'm with Delta Airlines and I want to have a voice assistant. I come to you. I ask you, what do you do? And you tell me what. We build out solutions for, for particular verticals where we see voice can add a lot of value and the verticals are ready for them. So our, our primary focus right now is on e-commerce, uh, so not quite travel. Um, but in the case of either, what we would do is we'd make an automated platform available online through APIs where any company within that vertical could just push some of their data into, the, into our service. And behind the scenes, then that will trigger all of the AI models required, be it voice recognition, language understanding, um, dialogue, conversational type technologies. All of them will be either tuned towards uh, the company's data or trained on the company's data. And so what the company actually gets access to then are APIs that are not generic cloud APIs, but instead are APIs that have been trained based on their data designed for their use case. And so they end up with something that's very straightforward to integrate, um, but it's also highly accurate. I'm fascinated by your approach. And let's just, let's roll with the Delta Airlines example for a minute, because yeah, sure. it's travel, but let's just assume we're talking about their web portal where you'd go and buy a ticket. For this reason, that reason, or the other, what Amazon, you know, Alexa is not sufficient. You know, Google Assistant is not sufficient. We want our own voice assistant and we want voices to help us create that. Give me some insight into when you've, the, the stuff that you're looking for in the data sets of the customer. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, are you looking for, well, I, I won't put words in your mouth. You tell me what, what y'all look for in the data sets as you start to get started creating a voice assistant or, you know, an artificial intelligence backed voice technology for a client. Sure. So I think at a very high level, we see that, once you can define the use case, and generally modern AI technologies can work extremely well if, you know, if the use case uh, and the problem that you're asking them to solve is reasonably well defined. Um, and in the case of something like travel, you know, regardless of what airline you may interact with, the, the general use case is the same that you'll have just various tasks a user is going to want to complete uh, when they interact with an airline. So the obvious ones are probably to um, check prices on tickets at certain dates or certain times, the user may then want to follow up about the availability of flights. So for example, maybe I check if, you know, how much is it to fly to New York 
next week. And maybe I want to follow up and say, well, if I was to fly around, if I was to depart around 1 p.m., how much would it be then? Or even ch to check the availability of the flights. Maybe I want to constrain it to certain airlines. Um, so there's, I guess there's a whole bunch of kind of different parameters I could provide as, you know, as a consumer of that technology in terms of, you know, what dates I want to fly, what airlines I want to fly with, um, what class do I want to sit in, um, even like what's my seating preference. Um, so there's, that's kind of one category, which is kind of close to discovery and search. And at the same time, then you also have another side of it, which is kind of closer to customer service, where maybe I've booked a flight previously and I want to query certain details about that flight. You know, what is the date of my flight? Can I check in online? What's the... You know, are there restrictions on the weight of my luggage? How many bags can I check in? And these types of queries. Well, regardless of the airline in question, all, you know, it's the same set of queries that are valid for pretty much all of them. And so that's kind of our motivation to focus on a particular vertical because it's possible to define it well. It's possible to build a, a highly accurate, fully automated solution around it. And the air, information we can get from the airline itself, um, that's useful is in many cases, it's the, maybe the names of the, air, of the airports they fly into. You know, traditionally, most modern language technologies can struggle uh, when dealing with the names of places, um, as you would have witnessed in uh, the various iterations of uh, voice-based navigation systems. That sure. saying the names of streets and uh, cities can be quite difficult. And if, if the airline can provide us with the names of the airports they fly into, um, then that helps us adjust our models in a way that all of the airports they fly into are, you know, integrated into the system. The, the magic of being able to integrate data into a product like a, what Voices offers, it, it's not so much having a gigantic data set. Everybody's got a gigantic data set. It's, it's, the magic is knowing what things to exclude. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we build these systems, it's not that we just use data off the customer. We have enormous amounts of data ourselves that we combine with the data they provide. And so it's, we don't expect large data sets off the customer. And we also never expect that to have audio recordings of the data sets either. So it's, it's just the case that they need to provide the text of, um, be it their airports or their products or whichever. Sure. No, that's, that's, uh, that's great. So Voices raised $8 million earlier this year. Congratulations on that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So what is that allowing you to do? And what are Voices' short-term goals, you know, heading, you know, toward the end of 2017, heading into 2018? So the, we used most of that capital to grow the team. So as you can imagine, for the, the very, fairly broad range of uh, voice and natural language technologies that, we've, that we develop, um, because we tune all the models for our domain, it requires us to have all of the technologies in-house. So... We don't, you know, depend on some generic um, black box cloud service that's outside of our control. The full stack of technologies have been developed in the company. And so naturally with that, we need to have a fairly sizable team and a, in practice, I think, a constantly growing team to accommodate the um, requirements we have there. And so a lot of the 8 million is being used to uh, scale the size of the team in the company, in addition to build out our brand further um, and engage with more partners at a single point in time. Um, later this year, we're releasing uh, our product called Voices Commerce, um, which is a fully automated solution for any e-commerce company to be able to create a, a voice AI that can talk to their customers about their products, help people find products, order products, etc. Um, and it's a fully automated solution. So uh, when anyone signs up and pushes their product data into the service, um, in a matter of hours, 
and they have this voice AI available that they can integrate into their product and ship. Wow. Okay. That's uh, yeah. That's we're, cool. We're really sure. looking forward to getting that out the door. Yeah, I bet. I bet you are. <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, and you said that's coming before the end of the year. Yep. Absolutely. Interesting. Very very cool. So I think it's a reality of this sector. You know, this uh, voice technology, artificial intelligence, machine learning sort of universe that um, you've got your big players, as you mentioned earlier, your Amazon your Microsoft, your Apple, your, your Samsung, all of those who are creating sort of mainstream experiences. But then you've got a lot of other players, and I'm sure Voices fits into this as well, that the insights that you provide and the experience that you provide for your clients' customers is one thing. But then another part of the value proposition that you bring to the table is enhanced privacy and security. Can you talk to me about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So the, a, lot of, a lot of people do have concerns about how their data is being used, rightfully so, I think. Um, and I think in, in the case of voices anyway, so later this year, or sorry, later next year, um, I think it's in May next year, there are some new regulations in Europe, uh, which are very, very strict on what companies can do with data. Um, and it's called uh, GDPR. And even when we launched Voices Commerce this year, we're already fully compliant with that. And it's a very strict set of regulations about how customers' data is handled. And so with that, um, anyone who's using any Voices-based solution um, can directly log into Voices or maybe perhaps even through the, the company they're directly speaking to um, and request for all of their data to be deleted or to view all of the data that the company has. And the, you know, so the end user gets uh, full control and full visibility into any data that's from them. Yeah, so that's, that's very appealing. And, and so that's yeah. legislation that's on the books now in Europe. It's already fully defined, and then Europe allowed some time for companies to become compliant. Um, hmm. but we're already fully compliant with that. And I, I, I do think in some cases, you know, this data can help companies understand their customers better and build better products as a result. But naturally, there's also a threshold with it, and you want to respect people's privacy too. Okay? I think in, in e-commerce, we did encounter a fairly interesting scenario where, because one of the features of voice interfaces is that they're unconstrained. Um, if you consider how much effort companies put into analyzing where the where do users click on a screen, and even for example in e-commerce, you know what products are people looking at, how much do people scroll, where do they click on the screen, these, these types of things. But it's all very constrained because of the visual interface. Whereas in the world of voice, and particularly with something like voiceless commerce, where consumers can just you know directly tell the, tell. Uh, a mobile app, what type of products they're looking for, that type of information can actually be genuinely very useful for the retailers um, because they can see if someone maybe does a search for a certain product, maybe then they click on a certain product and then they, then they actually ask it, oh, I want this, but in this different color or I want a product like this that's a bit bigger. And so I, I think there is a, there's a whole world of possibilities for what analysis of uh, voice interactions uh, may be able to do in the future. We're not doing it initially with Voices Commerce, um, but I do think, you know, in terms of the value that these types of interfaces provide, um, helping companies build better products and deliver a better experience um, is probably in everyone's interest. Um, but the need for privacy, I think, is critical. Yeah, no, it's I agree. finding the right balance. Sure. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. And uh, you know, the voice sector, you know, really uh, the charge has been led by Amazon in many ways, especially here in the U.S. But it, it's on the rise, of course, everywhere and 
uh, as you know, and I know it's here to stay. It's not some sort of fad or, or whatever. Um, this is a permanent shift that we're experiencing and it's yes. all, and it's all happening so fast that we've really opened uh, a Pandora's box of um, ethical concerns around privacy that, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about. So then it becomes paramount just to, for companies like yours to, to advocate for the end user and, and think about yeah. stuff that they're not do, that they're not thinking about themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, so in, in the case of what we're doing, um, you know, if we integrate into a, a mobile app or on a, on a website, um, you know, we're not doing always listening, uh, which is something that is, has bigger privacy concerns. So if you take something like, um, an Amazon echo or a Google home, um, you know, then devices are always listening to people in their home. Sure. I think the privacy concerns are much greater there. And I did, I did hear at an academic conference recently that one of the big platform companies um, had done a study um, where, you know, because these devices are always listening and they're not just listening to voice, they listen to everything because it's just a microphone that records audio and that it's, it's quite straightforward to identify what TV channel is somebody watching um, because the device can actually hear the audio from the TV. Sure. Um, it also was possible to identify who was in any room at any point in time because the microphone could hear the footsteps and timing of them and people have apparently have quite distinct footsteps. Um, and so I think there's, there's a whole world of privacy around them types of devices and that isn't really being talked about that much right now. Well, no, yeah, and you're touching on something that came up on an earlier episode, I think of the Voice First Roundtable, one of our Voice First FM shows, uh, the idea that... Um, Actually, it came up on the voice of healthcare uh, as well. The, this idea that um, smart speakers can serve, um, and this just sort of is a great example of the uh, duality of this technology. Um, you know, smart speakers can serve as fantastic um, security devices for the home because they, uh, you give them a week or some amount of days and they're going to determine the uh, mean, uh, you know, the average um, volume in the house. They're going to ascertain that every day from about 6.42 p.m. to 7.15, there's a TV that's on that's 50 feet away. Um, you know, a, a mailman shows up at one in the afternoon. You know, they, 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 they don't just listen, but the, the capability to document is also there. Um, and so that's incredibly powerful, like in the case of a senior citizen uh, or somebody who, you know, has trouble looking after themselves. If uh, the Echo device, uh, just to use that as an example, if the, if the Echo device in that per senior citizen's house does not hear, you know, the bathroom being used 2.3 times a day and that goes for three hours without hearing any activity in the home. Well, you know, there may be a problem, you know, that, yep. that person may have be collapsed on the floor or something. So uh, it, you, you take that and all of the potential to serve the human race. And, and then you look at it from the other direction of all the potential to betray the human race. <laughs> yep. And uh, it, it becomes a fascinating discussion. Yeah, I think it's it ultimately it boils down to can you trust the providers of them devices? It's inevitable that someday in the future there will be more transparent devices. Um, but right now, all of them devices are very, very closed 
platforms, even if you know you, you may be able to add in some basic commands on, on any of them. But other than that, they're very, very closed platforms. You know, there's no transparency to see. Um, even if when it listens by accident, um, people don't really have any visibility or any idea of how frequently does that occur and what, what exactly is being tracked in them audio recordings. Let me ask you two more things and we'll wrap up, both of which related to news stories that we reported on This Week in Voice this week. Uh, the first one is that smart speaker purchases are up 300% in 2017. Yep. Uh, I think the number is 24.5 million that's projected at this point. Smart speakers sold across the world. And I, I want to ask you, I, I saw somebody, and I couldn't remember it the other day, I still can't remember it now, but some, some analyst was discussing the fact that he thought smart speakers were going to increase exponentially in terms of sales over the next two years, and then they're almost going to vanish just as quickly because they're going to get subsumed into other existing technology, like appliances and, or, or, or what other existing hardware in the home or the office. Do you agree with that? And what do you, what do you think about uh, the rise of smart speakers? Um, I, I could imagine that smart speakers will become less intrusive. Many of the devices to date have been fairly big and bulky, but I, I, it's hard to see them being integrated that much into external appliances because you're still going to need that microphone somewhere. And if it's in a small, non-intrusive device, ideally somewhere where you don't even have to locate it in a visible place, I could see it existing on its own. Um, I, I think to date, um, from the original Amazon Echo only came out just over two years ago, and already the microphone technology being used in these devices has changed very dramatically uh, from that to now. I'd even say in the past year, the microphone technology has changed quite dramatically. And I'd say, so particularly if, if the microphone technology keeps improving, um, then it's going to keep justifying people to have these devices. Um, although maybe, maybe one's more like the Amazon Echo Dot and the Google Home Mini. Uh, maybe the more popular devices because they're just smaller and less intrusive. And I, I don't see an advantage of adding that into an ex, into some, some appliance if it makes that appliance less upgradable in the future because you can buy these microphone devices for $40 at the moment. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, there is an article from earlier this, no, from last week mm -hmm. uh, that Brent Leary did with your colleague, Eric Bisegli. Am I pronouncing that right? Yep. And this is a great article. We're going to link to it in the show notes. One of the things that this article discusses is, or contemplates, is what is the time frame that a retailer has to embrace voice technology before they sort of really start to shoot themselves in the foot? Um, yeah. What is your perspective on that? I think in the world of e-commerce, a lot of the retailers do seem quite progressive and they do want to move forward. Um, but where voice is different from probably any of the technologies they've used to date, it takes a bit of um, trial and error to build a good voice interface. So even just, even just from the user experience point of view alone, you know, where is the best place to, to place a microphone icon? How do, you, how do you teach the customer what the microphone, what's the capabilities of this microphone icon? How do you inform the customer when there's extra features or some functionality that may help them? For, for retailers, there's a lot of unknowns still, and now is the time to start figuring it out um, because things are moving very, very fast. And probably the best example of that is two years ago, nobody knew that they needed a smart speaker. Now look at the amount of people who have them, and it's only increasing, and it's increasing at an incredible speed. 
you know, a, a customer will accept an unpolished experience now. Um, if, you know, the voice interface will still save them, you know, maybe 10x the amount of time. Um, it's, it does provide enough value, but we will, we will see that certain retailers will start polishing their voice experiences uh, pretty soon. And then the expectations will rise with that. So your message to retailers is they need to go ahead and get on this now so they can, if not for any other reason, start learning the ropes. Oh, absolutely. Because I, I think in another even 12 months, it'll be too late to start thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think 2018 is going to be a transformative year. And you guys at Voices uh, are uh, pretty well positioned to take advantage of it. Uh, Peter, thank you very, very much for setting your time aside uh, to talk with me and share your a wealth of experience with the audience. Thank you. Enjoyed it. For artificial intelligence, thank you for listening. Until next time.